talk to you about the kind of person that God uses because God wants to use you, and I know God will use you. We're going to read in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 in a moment, but I have another verse for you that I want to read before I get there, found in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. What, what that verse is saying is this, God is searching the earth. Right now, God's focus is on planet earth. His eyes are going back and forth through the earth, and he's looking for certain individuals. He's looking for people, men and women, whose hearts are loyal to him. He's looking for people who have a heart for God and the things of God. And when he finds those people, God blesses them, God uses them, and God strengthens them. And that's what I want for you today. I want you to be a person that God searches for and God finds so that he can use in his kingdom. Let me ask you a question. How, how would you like to be the kind of person that God uses in his kingdom? Wouldn't you like to know the exhilaration of being a person God uses to bring life to spiritually dead people? Wouldn't you like to be the kind of person that God uses to bring encouragement to discouraged people? Or comfort to despairing people? Or hope to hopeless people? Or help to helpless people? Wouldn't you like to be a person God includes in the great work of bringing a miracle into somebody else's life? And if you think that is far beyond what you could ever do or be, I've got good news for you today. It's not because you can be that kind of person. Okay? God wants to use you. God is looking for people just like you so that he can use to make this world a better place. Now that brings me to my passage that I want to share with you today, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, a uh, couple of unique verses, 2 Timothy 2, verses 20 and 21. Let me read it to you. It says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, that is the dishonor, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless this scripture, speak it into our hearts today. Help us to be the kind of people that you can use in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You see... The church and the family of God is like this large house that is filled with all kinds of dishes and utensils. You know how it is around your house. There are some dishes and some items that are very costly and they're placed in special places and they're only used for special purposes. Maybe it's that valuable china or the silver that you only bring out for a special family occasion. And then... There are other things in your house that are less valuable, and they are used for common purposes. It could be that, that big cup that you got at the Texas Ranger baseball game or at a St. Louis Cardinal baseball game. 
and you just love that plastic cup and you use it every day. Or it could be that special coffee mug that you fill up with coffee every morning and you use it in your car going to work and you even take it. It's something that you use every single day. And in every house that is represented in this room today, there is a combination of both things. Things that are valuable and only used for special purposes. And then there are those things that are less valuable and they're used for common purposes. Right? Right. Now the point here, and I want you to get the point of this passage. The point is not that there aren't common, ordinary things that need to be done in the service of the Lord and for others. That's not the point. Because Jesus talked about using the simplest of things, like giving a cup of cold water in His name as something that is well rewarded. Okay? So every day is filled with all kinds of ordinary things that God needs done by ordinary Christians just like you and me. Okay? So that's not what this passage is talking about. We all need to be doing the ordinary things for the Lord. Amen? You with me? The point of this passage is this. That God wants to use extraordinary people to accomplish His great work in this world. God is looking for special people whose hearts are loyal to Him. People who are fully committed to Him. He desires, as Paul said in 2 Timothy, for each of us to be vessels of honor. Not vessels of dishonor, but special vessels of honor. You see, following Christ is not just a matter of being good and staying out of trouble. It's not what this Christian life is all about. It's not just a matter of feeling good and trying to be happy. No, what this Christian life is all about is a matter of doing good and being good. And it's a matter of being a part of God's great purposes in this world. Now, let's remember the order of things. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then verse 10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, we're not saved by our good works, but we are saved to do good works. Then Matthew 5.16, In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And there you have the main motivation in all of this wanting to be used by God. It's not to try to, to attract attention to ourselves, but to gain the maximum glory to give to God. Okay, Because it's all about Him. This is all about His world and His kingdom. And everything we do should direct attention not to ourselves, but to a great God. The fact is that most of what God does in this world, He does through His people. Okay? Foundational understanding here. Most of everything God does in the world, He does through His people. 
many of the miracles God performs today, He does through Christians. When God delivers grace in our lives, He usually does that through somebody else in the body of Christ. Whenever God does the great work of saving a soul, He always employs at least one of His servants, one of His followers, to be the one who brings that good news to the person who needs to be saved. You see, God uses His people. And God wants to use you. Are you getting the point today? God wants to use you. I don't care who you are, what kind of garbage you have in your back, you know, whatever you've done that's been bad in the past, it doesn't matter. God wants to use you right here today. Now, here's the real question. How can I be that kind of person that God uses? Really, how can I be the kind of person that God uses for honorable and noble purposes? The kind of person that is set apart to be used for the purposes of God's kingdom. The kind of person that is useful to the master. The kind of person that is ready for every good work. Whenever God calls on me, I'm ready to go. How can I be that kind of person? Well, the Bible shows us how we can be the kind of person that God can use. In other words, what I want to give you is the profile of a person that God can use. Boy, I'm excited. Are you? Are you on the edge of your pew right now? Just wait. I'm ready to write these things down, Pastor. I am so ready. Because really, this is the kind of person I want to be in 2014. The kind of person God can use. So what does that person look like? Number one, that person is just completely saturated or consumed with the Word of God, with God's Word. A little bit later in this letter, Paul will instruct Timothy on this very issue. Chapter 3, verse 16, he says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That is, it's God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped... For every good work. So God's word equips us for the good work that God wants to use us in. It matures and establishes us in the knowledge of Christ. To be effective in service, we must be consistently fed and strengthened by the word of God. Every single day we need to let the word of God teach us and rebuke us and correct us and train us so that we are equipped to do whatever it is that God calls us to do. But along with that, God's Word also becomes part of the way that God ministers through us to other people. And let me show you how this works. Uh, let's say in the morning you're reading a passage of Scripture. Isn't that a good way to start your day? Okay. And, and let me just say as a, just a, a loving admonition to you. If you are a Christian, if you're a believer, you need to be reading God's Word every day. This needs to be a part of your daily routine. Every day you need to intake the Word of God. I can't think of a better way for you to start your day going out into the world than taking some of God's Word with you. So, so 
You understand that, right? All right. So you're starting your day with a passage of Scripture, and as you're reading along, uh, all of a sudden, something just leaps off the page. It's kind of like Angie said earlier in the service. You can read a passage a hundred times, but on the hundred and first time, it says something new to you. It's like God speaking right to you. And, and that's the way God's Word is. It's different than any other book. This is the living, breathing Word of God. When you read it, it's like God is saying it to you. And so you're reading along here, and all of a sudden this just leaps off of the page, and it affects you, it changes you, it comforts you. It does what the Word of God says it will do. God's Word comforts us, the Bible says, in all of our troubles. And so here we are, and we read it, and it, it helps us, it changes us. And then we go out into our day, into our world. You go to school, you go to work, and you encounter somebody. God brings somebody into your life who perhaps was having the same trouble or problem that you were having, that God's Word spoke to. It, it's a divine appointment that God brings. And here's this per person, and they're having the same difficulty you had that God's Word addressed in your life, and you are able to speak that Word back to them and give them the encouragement and comfort that you received. That's how it works. In fact, that passage goes on to say that we will be able to comfort others with the comfort in which we have received from God. That's how it works, man. So you're reading, God is speaking to you, God brings people into your life that you can speak that word of encouragement or comfort right back into. And God has just used you to help somebody else out. Isn't that amazing? But you see, you can't give that word of encouragement if you have not read that word of encouragement. So what's the person look like that God can use? Number one. They're just saturated with the Word of God. When the world puts the squeeze on these kind of people, you know what comes out? It's the Word. Because we're saturated. We're like that sponge. You know what a sponge is for? It absorbs things. You take a sponge that has absorbed water and you squeeze it, what's going to come out of it? Water. The believer who is saturated by the Word of God, what comes out when the world squeezes them? The Word of God, number one, saturated with God's Word. Number two, the person that God uses is a person committed to prayer. In my life, the Lord has taught me this. Prayer is one of the great works that we have to do as God's people. Prayer is one of the great things God has given to us. Prayer is the way that we yield ourselves to God and prepare ourselves for what God wants to do in us and through us. But here's something else I've figured out. Sometimes prayer is hard work. Or let me put it like this. Sometimes prayer is a struggle for us. Let's be honest, isn't it? Sometimes it's a struggle. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying with some of his disciples. Jesus was facing the greatest test of his life. The cross was before him. He knew that he needed to spend time talking to his heavenly Father in prayer. And so he asked his disciples if they would join him and pray with them. But they kept falling asleep. Every time Jesus would go check on them, they'd be snoozing. And so Jesus rebuked them and said, Could you not keep watch with me for just one hour? So I know it's a struggle for us. But pray prayer is hard work, man. 
Prayer sometimes can be a struggle. But you need to understand also that prayer becomes a big part of God using us in the lives of other people. Paul, writing from a Roman prison, told the Philippian church about the great benefit that they came to be to him because simply they were praying for him. Philippians 1.19, I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ that what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. So, friends, listen to me. There is a powerful connection between your praying and the help given to others by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Okay? We are to pray for other people. That is the main way we can help other people, is intercede for them, pray for them. I've been a pastor a long time, close to 30 years now, and I cannot tell you uh, all of the, all the cards I've received. It's card after card, letter after letter, uh, people saying to me, one person after another, who have gone through a difficult time, Pastor, we just don't know how we could have made it through had it not been for the prayers of my church family. And I'm telling you, those of you who have gone through difficult times in your life, you know what I'm talking about. How in the world do people make it in a crazy, messed up world without other believers who are praying for them? I, I don't know how they can make it. We, we need the prayers of other people. And, and what God wants to use you for... It's not just to be selfish and only care about yourself or your little family, but to be prayer warriors for others, to intercede for others, to lift others up in prayer. That's the kind of people God is looking for. People who are not selfish and only care for themselves, but people who genuinely care for other people and pray for them. Number three, the kind of person that God looks for is a person who is dominated by the Holy Spirit. You see, when God uses us, He supplies the supernatural power by His Holy Spirit so that what ends up happening is not just the work of a person, but the work of God's power through that person. Acts 1.8, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Think about that phrase. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, post-Pentecost, this happens when we're saved. The moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to take up residence in our lives. He lives inside of us. But we also know from Scripture that we are commanded as believers to be continuously filled by the Holy Spirit. And the purpose of that filling that dominating of the Holy Spirit in our lives is so that God can use us to accomplish His work in bearing witness for Jesus Christ. So the bottom line is, we must be dominated or controlled by God's Holy Spirit. Led by the Spirit of God. And, and, and let me just say this to you. You're getting a lot of uh, pastoral admonition this morning, all right? And you know what, I prayed, I prayed right before I came up here. I said, Lord, it, help, help, help this to come across the way it's intended. It's not like I'm being mean to you or lecturing you or, or demeaning you in any way. But as your pastor, I want you to understand how spiritual life is to be lived. 
And you need to understand this. You will be dominated by something or someone. Your life, your vessel, you are going to be dominated by something. And the devil wants the world to dominate you, to control you. But God is looking for people who are not dominated by the philosophy of the world or the things of the world. God is looking for people who are dominated by His Holy Spirit. And friend, that is a choice you must make. I am a believer in Jesus Christ, but guess what? Every single morning I wake up and I have to decide, am I going to live for the Lord today or am I going to live for self? Am I going to do what the Holy Spirit directs me to do or am I going to do simply what I want to do? God is looking for people dominated, controlled, led by His Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Still on the edge of your seat? Number four. God is looking for people who are separated from sin. Getting back to our passage in 2 Timothy 2.21. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, which is dishonor, he will be a vessel for honor, made holy, useful to the master, prepared to do any good work. Now, bottom line is, God wants to use clean instruments. God wants to use clean vessels. Now, all of us have been to a, a restaurant. This has happened to every one of us. We've been to a restaurant. And we, we sit down, and they give us uh, our utensils, our, our fork, our knife, our spoon. It's usually wrapped up in, in some kind of napkin. First thing we do after we sit down, even, sometimes even before we look at the menu, we unwrap that, that napkin, and we get our utensils out. And I know how most of you are because I've watched you. The first thing you do is inspect them. How many times, how many times just recently have you picked up your fork and there's, there's some residue left on it? Something left on it. You know, from the previous eater, right? It's nasty. There's a big glob of gunk on your fork. Now, if you are anything like the women in my life, what you do when you see that is, oh, could I please have a clean fork? This one is nasty. Any of y'all like that? And will admit it? You're brave enough to admit it? You, clean for it, please. You're just laughing. Are you like that? Or how many of you kind of like, just, you know, all I want to be is a manly man. That's what, you just kind of flick it off. And just, you know. <laughs> I mean, it, it's been through the dishwasher. How many of you do that? Come on. No, you, you ask, you send it back for another fork. Now, again, you understand what I'm saying. I am not saying, listen to me, I am not saying that you have to be sinlessly perfect for God to use you. Because you know what? That is not possible, humanly speaking. We all sin. We all fall short of God's glory. But that's not the point of this. The point is this. If we are living habitually in known sin, and we haven't confessed that sin and repented of that sin and turned our back on that sin before God, we cannot expect that God is going to use us in His kingdom. 
That's why Paul would say to Timothy in the very next verse, flee youthful lust. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Why? Because this is the kind of person God uses. God uses people who have a heart for Him. And listen, God hates sin. Therefore, we must hate sin. Now, does that mean you're going to be perfect? No. Does that mean you're going to mess up? Sometimes. But you're not going to stay down. If you do sin, you're going to confess it, repent of it, and move on. Not live in it. That's the kind of person God uses. Somebody who has separated themselves from sin. Moving on quickly, number five. God uses those people who understand that sometimes God sets up these divine appointments and they're willing to be used by God in such a way. I love the story of Philip's ministry in Acts chapter 8. Philip was a deacon in the early church and he was a man that God could trust with, with big opportunities. Listen to this in, Roman, in Acts chapter 8 verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace who was the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So real quickly, here's what happened. Uh, Philip was actually in a, uh, uh, the middle of a revival. All right? There was a great awakening happened in a big city and Philip was being used in this. But all of a sudden, God moved him from the big city where lives were being changed to a desert road with only one guy. And this one guy was an Ethiopian eunuch. He, he, was, he was in Candace's uh, 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 official entourage. He took care of the money. He was a big shot. But something was missing in his life. And so he had traveled to Jerusalem trying to find spiritual meaning in life. So what's happening here is this. God's up to something big. God is orchestrating something that is huge. He has brought his servant Philip into contact with a person who is seeking after God. And look what Philip does. Verse 30. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And he said, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, said the Ethiopian, unless somebody explains it to me. And so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And it's exactly what Philip did. Now here's just another example of why you need to be saturated by, by God's word. To be effective in God's service. You know, the guy was reading Isaiah. He didn't understand it. Guess what? Philip had read Isaiah. He knew exactly where he was and what the passage was talking about. And he knew how to take that and to tell this man about the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So verse 35 says, Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as a result of this, the Ethiopian man was saved. And Philip saw some water on the side of the road and he told the chariot to stop and he got out and he baptizes this guy. Folks, this is an amazing story of how God coordinates those opportunities with other people so that we can witness to them and help them. You're thinking, well, that, that's just a story that happened in Acts chapter 8. Well, you know what? If you've got the rest of the afternoon, I could tell you stories that's happened in my own life. 
of people I've encountered. I mean, I didn't plan on meeting them at a restaurant. I just walked into the restaurant, and there they were, and we struck a, a conversation. We started talking about things, and, and God opened the door of an opportunity for me to share some piece of good news or an invitation to church, and it came back, and later on those people said, you don't know what it meant just to run into you that day and talk to you about the Lord. It's no big deal to me, and I was just there to eat. I didn't know what was going on, but God did. God's looking for people who are available. And then finally, number six, God is, is looking for these people, these Christians who have been gifted with special abilities, and they're not afraid to use their spiritual gift for the Lord. You see, God called us to this life, but he's also equipped us for this life by installing in each one of us Special spiritual abilities that really simply are a manifestation of His grace in us and through us. Our passage in verse 20 talks about these vessels, some for honor, some for dishonor. Verse 21, if a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor. Now obviously these vessels have different shapes because they are used for different purposes. Just like it is in your home. Ladies, let me talk to you for a moment. In your kitchen, you have different kinds of dishes, kinds of utensils, all shaped differently because they serve a different purpose. You use them differently for things that you do in the kitchen, right? Really, I'm, I'm kind of speaking in general terms because I don't really know what I'm talking about, you know? But all these different things that you use have a purpose, right? I'm clueless. I don't even know where they go. I mean, sometimes I'm a good husband and I'll unload the dishwasher and, and I'll put stuff up, but invariably I put them in the wrong cabinet. Say it. It's on purpose. <laughs> Jason said that in the first service. And guys, I'm sorry, but our secret is out. <laughs> I think they knew we did that anyway, you know. Good try. You know, nice try. Here's something I do know about. Guys, out in your garage, you've got different tools that are shaped differently because they serve a different purpose. Ooh. Yep. You know what I'm talking about, man? You know? Really, they're all different. Here's the deal, spiritually speaking. God has called each of us to serve Him. Okay? Every one of us. And, and there are some acts of service that are for all of us to do, no matter who we are. We pray for one another. We encourage one another. We help one another. We all share the gospel with non-believers. We are all to do those things. Okay? That's something we all have in common. However, having said that, God has given each of us a particular niche. Or gift. I like to call it a shape because it includes several things. It includes your natural abilities that God gave you when you were born. It includes all the, the circumstances that you have faced and lived through in life. But it also includes those spiritual gifts or singular gift that God gave you when you got saved. 
And every believer has at least one of these spiritual gifts. And the Bible is very clear about these gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit has been given for the common good. 1 Peter 4, 10. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So God has shaped us individually and gifted us uniquely to do something special for Him. God wants to use you. And so God shaped you to serve Him in a way that is totally different than anybody else. Just like there are no two fingerprints that are of the same. God has shaped you in such a unique way. There is no one else in this church that can do exactly what God wants you to do for His kingdom and in this body of Christ. And if you don't realize this, you know what? You're going to be discouraged and you're going to be frustrated in your life as a servant of God. Therefore, the key is to find out how God has shaped you and then allow God to sovereignly place you in a ministry that uses the gift that He has gifted you with. Amen? So, we don't need more people doing more things. Did he just say that? We don't. We don't just need more people doing more things. Here's what we need. We need more people doing what God has uniquely gifted them to do in the power that he supplies to do it. That's what we need. Let me see if I can help you visualize this in this way. Suppose, suppose in the morning we could be transported to a vantage point high above our city. And suppose that we had the ability from that vantage point to see everything God is doing in the lives of people in the river valley. To, to see the special projects that God is working on. Now, it may be far-fetched. I don't know how far our government is away from being able to do that right now anyway, all right? But I'm talking about seeing even deeper than they can see. I'm talking about seeing into the hearts of people God's working on. And right over here, we've got this young lady who's at the end of her ropes. She's about to give up on life. We see that in her heart. She, she is contemplating suicide. And then not too far away from her in another house, there, there is an unemployed dad who's sitting at his kitchen table, and before him are all of these bills. He doesn't have the money to pay, and he's, he, he's worried sick, thinking how in the world can he pay these bills and feed his kids when he just got laid off from his job. And then not too far away in one of our local hospitals, in one of those rooms is a family with a loved one, and their loved one is about to pass away. And then not too far from that is, is an office building. And here's a guy who is just overwhelmed with the fact that his life has no meaning. It has no purpose. Somehow he knows that God is the answer. But he has made so many cotton-picking mistakes in his life. He doesn't think God could ever forgive him. 
And from your vantage point, you can see all of this going on. A thousand times over. That's what's happening all over our city. Suppose we could also see where God has positioned in the river valley His people all over the city. I mean, His people are everywhere. They're in schools. They're downtown. They're on every street. They're in every neighborhood. They're in every store. God's people have been positioned by Him everywhere. And then we realize that God is in the process of sovereignly coordinating and arranging these divine appointments. God is connecting up hurting people with His chosen instruments all over the city. And this is awesome. Man, we're, we're excited. We're saying, way to go, God. But, but then he zooms it in for us. And we look a little closer. And we realize God's got a big challenge. <laughs> Some of his people are aware of what's going on. Some of his people get it. Their eyes are open. Their heart is open. They understand that every place they go, God may open an opportunity. He's setting something up. They're eager and expectant for God to use them. They want to be used. They're looking for it. They go into a restaurant. They start looking around. Okay, where's that person God wants me to talk to? It's the way they live their life. But the challenge is we see that there are others who don't get it. There are other Christians out there who are just totally clueless. In fact, they're so wrapped up in their own to-do list that they are oblivious to God's to-do list. They're so consumed with their own problems, they don't have time for God to use them to help somebody else who has a bigger problem. They're so absorbed in the things of this world or impressing others that they don't have a clue how God wants to use them in the lives of other people. And dear church family, congregation, listen to me. This is the world that we walk into every single day. It's happening all around us. And here's God up in heaven. What's he doing? He's looking around. His eyes are going to and fro throughout the whole earth. He's looking for people who have a heart for him. People who want to be used by him. And when he finds a person like that, man, he blesses them. He empowers them. He strengthens them. And he uses them. God needs you. We sit back and we gripe and complain how bad this world is. That it, that, you know, horrible. How could it get any worse? We all want to live in a better world, don't we? Well, it becomes better one person at a time. And the only way it can be better is when you, a believer, invest your life and someone who's struggling or an unbeliever and make them a better person. God's counting on you. This, this next week I go off to do my own personal uh, planning and retreat for, for 
what the future of our church is this next year. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get as close to God as I can. I'm going up on a mountain. Okay. One of my prayers I started praying months ago is, Lord, what's next for Kavanaugh? What do you want us to do in 2014? One thing I know he wants us to do is exactly what I'm talking about today. We become a better church one believer at a time. And the way you become a better Christian, a better believer, is by adopting this profile and becoming this kind of person. Would you do that? Maybe today you need to come and just make that commitment to the Lord at the altar and say, Lord, I want to be used in 2014. I want you to use me in your kingdom. And I'm willing to change to be the person you can use.